Hello, this is Rick Gilson with SAPDC and another episode of Hit Pause with SAPDC. We're here today with Lane Pethick, uh, Moose Jaw, Regina, Saskatchewan boy who made his way to Texas. Lane, how did you end up living where you live and doing what you do as we enter into a little conversation about working with autistic students? Oh, it's it's a, it's an interesting story and lifeline I guess I've had, but uh, I went and finished college down in the States in North Dakota and just out of the blue went to a job fair in Grand Forks, North Dakota, got recruited to go teach in San Antonio, Texas. Um, I accepted a position with the second poorest school district in the country mm-hmm. and uh, basically did my teaching career there. Started as a pre-kinder kindergarten teacher, uh, went into special ed. Um, got to be vice principal for three weeks. Like I had mentioned <laughs> earlier, um, the principal I was with, she left and we don't know where she went. And so I ended up being principal for the remainder of the year. Wow. And uh, then got offered the assistant director of special ed job and ran all the behavior, autism, uh, you name it, parent thing that we have. Um, worked in the juvenile jails every week for three hours on Fridays and and uh, got to be a professor in different universities around the country, which was fun, but you get taken away from kids, so I wanted to be back with kids again. And so uh, the Region Center in Texas, in the Dallas area, had an opening for behavior and autism, and uh, the rest is history. I've been there for about nine years, and I uh, travel all over the state, working in classrooms with teachers and working with parents and working with kids, just trying to figure things out for our kids. So. That's awesome, and you uh, come back to Alberta, Saskatchewan occasionally. We uh, got do. a little bit of local ties. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I any chance I get to come home to Canada, I'm in. So uh, <laughs> uh, I got family all over the country, mostly Saskatchewan, Alberta. Yeah, and uh, so I come home and I've done conferences and trainings, and um, I also go to Vietnam at least once a year to do work over there. Um, been working with children with disabilities over there we're actually building a special ed program for the country from the ground up so it's been an adventure yeah, over no, there okay no also been in mexico working in the interior of mexico working with schools and hong kong and different places so let's turn our attention to the subject at hand lane you you have a, a long history working in behaviors and working with students with autism and uh I was sharing that uh, one of my favorite books is uh, a book by Lisa Genova, a, f- a fiction piece with uh, nonfiction laced throughout um, called Love, Anthony, uh, about an autistic boy and a mother grieving uh, that autistic boy's um, passing away. Spoiler alert there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the very end, like the last sentence, it reads in reference to the autistic or the autism spectrum, the spectrum is long and wide, and we're all on it. Once you believe this, it becomes easy to see how we're all connected. Can you talk a little bit about how important that connection is and how that might be foundational to the work? And I think the big thing is, is the way I, I work and approach what I do every day is I try and let people understand we're more alike than we are different in this world. Um, People's needs and wants, purposes, that's what human beings are craving, is the purpose in life. And what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? And when a human being finds their purpose, regardless of abilities, they thrive. It's, it's a good life for them. And, and I think if we just recognize that, it, it kind of puts things in perspective for all of us. 
Um, I do truly believe we are way more alike than we are different in this world. Um, you know, everybody wants to be different, but we're so similar that we still kind of step on each other's toes a lot. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's about having respect for what differences people have and, and understanding why people may do what they do at certain times. And, and just that, I think the big thing is the understanding piece, just to take the time to understand other people. And in the process of understanding, in particular as we're dealing with students at all levels of the spectrum, um, I think one of the most difficult things for people to understand is that they, um, they can be the factor or the trigger. Like when we talk about what kinds of things we as classroom teachers or administrators, parents, can introduce into the relationship, the equation, the things that are going on in the day that can negatively impact at the very, at the educational level, the level of cognition, the mm-hmm. level of uh, ability to function uh, for our students. Well, a lot of it is, is my big thing that I really, really try to push through with parents, teachers, um, is your own demeanor and how how your interactions, how even, you know, your stress level is going to affect the children that you're working with every day. Uh, for parents, their stress levels, their demeanor is going to affect their child just like teachers. You know, it's, it's funny how we send teachers out to, quote-unquote, classroom management training, mm-hmm. when in reality you can have all the training in the world, but if you do not know how to keep yourself in a good place and take care of yourself – you're no good to anybody else, especially children. Um, the big talk I give is about stress. Yes. And positive uh, and negative. Positive and negative. And so, so everybody has to experience stress. And the positive stress is good. It's those little bits of stress that get us going, really some adrenaline and cortisol in our system, and get us up and moving and going. We all have to have that. All human beings need it to help our bodies regulate to stress as we grow up and we learn to maneuver the world. However, if I'm carrying a burden of stress with me or I I have a bad attitude or a bad demeanor and I walk into a classroom, the clock starts ticking on how long it's going to be till that stress and that demeanor starts absolutely positively affecting every child that's sitting there with me. And like I shared today in the training, if you're in the elementary levels, early child or whatever, you got eight to 10 minutes to get yourself right or your bad attitude, your demeanor, your stress is going to start affecting the brain chemistry of all the kids in that class. Not just some, all. Yeah, and uh, you know, I was uh, privileged to be with us, be with you today mm-hmm. for most of the day, and not everybody listening to us today uh, mm-hmm. will have been there, but this time to recover at the elementary level, and then you mentioned how many minutes for middle and So high middle, school? high school, and if you work with adults, you have about 12 to 15 minutes to compose yourself, to relax, to get yourself back at even keel. Otherwise, your stress, your bad attitude, and your demeanor absolutely starts affecting the brain chemistry of every person that's around you. And there's nothing you can do about it. It just starts affecting the brain chemistry. So that's self-regulation we talk about. Well, I need to mm-hmm. understand how to help my students self-regulate. Mm-hmm. Start by the man in the mirror. Well, and that's the big thing, too, is I tell people, if, if adults don't know how to self-regulate, they can't teach children how to do it. We have to know how to self-regulate first so we can teach kids how to do it also. Isn't that the truth? So yeah. 
And how can we help teachers and parents of students in our classes who are, are not on the spectrum themselves? Maybe they don't have anybody in their family that's uh, mm-hmm. uh, struggling with the, with the, the myriad of issues. Um, how can we help them understand that it is actually very advantageous to uh, embrace the notion that uh, students, um, all students should be in the classroom? Well, and, and so in the United States, they focus on inclusion a lot, having all kids together as much and as possible. And, and I am a proponent of it because it's actually the best environment for not just our children with the different abilities, but it's good for all of our kids in the learning process and the life process. Um, a lot of it's just education, too. A lot of it is is um, people get scared of the things they don't understand. And so helping people understand what may occur, how it might occur, and that things are going to be okay really helps relieve the anxiety of everybody else who may not have autism. And I always tell people, because I'll always get this, it's like, yeah, but, you know, Lane, we have, I have 19 other kids in my classroom. What am I supposed to do? Or, if, or if 25 John, or 30. Or 20 30. or 30. Yeah. What am I supposed to do if John has a bad day or Sally has a bad day? And I tell him, I said, the best thing you could do if things happen to go south on you is be the role model for those 25 other kids. Do you keep respect and dignity for everybody involved? Because technically, I would much rather have a teacher have to do that in a classroom and have the behaviors occur in the classroom where a good adult role model can show all the other kids, this is how you deal with tough situations. And this is how you still hold the dignity and respect of a particular individual who might be having trouble right now. And, and I wonder, maybe, Lane, how much... Like, like that's powerful when the teacher's able to do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, what about those occasions where the students are the ones who are able to immediately demonstrate that uh, role model? Their peers do it better than we do. They do it better. I, I will tell you that the peers that they have and their peer systems are way better at it than the adults are. If we don't get in the way. We adults sometimes have to back off and let the peers do what peers do. And it has so much more impact on the child's life. Hmm. And and knowing how to involve peers in the right way and having peers as a check and balance is, is so impactful in the child's life because that's their peer set. That's their peer system. And, and so that the, the delays that some of them have maybe experienced in how to properly engage in social interactions, the learning or the ability to, to close those gaps, you think that's greatly accelerated when it's peers that are modeling yes. that over us at old folks? Uh, well, us old folks, as I tell people, <laughs> I'm not a 12-year-old boy or 8-year-old girl, so their peer set actually teaches them more than what we can because usually what we adults do is we drive everything through our adult lenses mm-hmm. it doesn't work in a child's brain no and so utilizing their peer set and utilizing their peers as much as possible especially for socialization is actually key to success for us yeah there you go that's that's an incredibly valuable point now sometimes it doesn't go quite the way we want it to despite the best efforts of sure. ourselves we're self-regulating that we've worked with our class of students 
they appreciate John or or, mm-hmm. or Joanne for what uh, John or Joanne brings to the room, but some days it doesn't quite go. You mentioned, and, and, I, and maybe you could expand on this, the world doesn't need to understand that specific child. The world needs to understand the differences, and those differences don't come with, uh, to borrow from Monopoly, uh, get out of jail, jail free. free. Right. What do, what do you mean by that? So a lot of times, especially when I talk to parents, I tell parents, your child may have gotten this label of autism, let's say, mm-hmm. but it doesn't give them the excuse not to learn the things they need to learn. It doesn't give them a free pass out of learning how to interact and learn how social the social world works. They're going to have a much harder time at it. They're going to have some more struggles at it. But we still need to do our due diligence as adults to make sure we're preparing our kids for the real world. Because as I tell people, and it's it's always a harsh talk I have to have, but I'm, I'm more a realist than most people are. And I've seen it way too much too, is I have a lot of kids who it's always been, well, that's their autism. Oh, that's just their autism. That's their disability. And then these children grow up to be adults and they get released into the real world. And I tell people, handcuffs end up fitting everybody and cops don't tend to care because they're trying to protect society. Mm-hmm. And if we haven't done our due diligence to make sure this this now grown adult doesn't have some of the skill sets to function in society, then, you know, and we've just said, well, that's just their autism. We can't use that as a, as a pass. No. And, and we it's just it means we have more work to do. Is it? even possible to suggest that in some ways that might enable the disabled. It does. It, 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 it can enable and almost to a point where I've seen it as an entitlement thing where I'll see, yeah, but I have autism, sir, so I don't need to worry about it. And it's like, well, no, that doesn't get you out of, especially if you can articulate it to me. <laughs> no, you know, that's not going to fly with me. And, and, and I have a lot of parents that I always tell people it's tough for me with parents because I'm very, up front with parents but I also got a lot of respect for parents sure absolutely um, I always tell people be careful what you do when you pass judgment on parents because until you've walked a mile in their shoes you don't know the stress they got you don't know the things they're dealing with no it's a 24-7 piece but, but I try and understand and get parents to understand that I know it's hard but you want what's best for your child giving them the free pass is not what's best for your child yeah. giving them an excuse why not to do something when you know with some hard work we could get it in place that's really not the best for your child as they grow up. There you go. And so that kind of transitions into this notion that, you know, when, if we're tempted to let something slide or we don't see uh, that the re, the result of letting somebody get away with, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you, we get away with driving here in Alberta, the speed limit on the major highways is posted at 110. Uh-huh. And pretty much everyone knows you could take that up to 119 right. and right. cruise along. And similar yeah. down the States, probably. Oh, yeah, it's the same thing. Same thing. I can go 72 yep. or whatever, yep. right? Yep. Um, so the whole notion around rules and breaking them and following them, the mm-hmm. balance of rules and yep. break. Yep. Well, you know, when we break rules, uh, and we get away with it. There's a rush. There is. And you talked about that introducing the notion of of things. Um, how we react to that can amplify the problem yes. instead of yes, instead of uh, so making it better. So usually, what I what I tell people in regards to behavior is, um, 
when a human being breaks a rule and gets away with it in any way, you get a rush of dopamine. You get a surge of dopamine through your system. And dopamine is that uh, pleasure chemical for human beings that we get addicted to. It's also the addictive type of chemical that leads into human addictions. And so if I break a rule, I get this huge rush because I got what I wanted out of it. And I, and even though some people around me got mad or I got you know reprimanded somehow, if I still got what I needed, um, I still get that hit. Um, and I tell people the thing we got to watch for is, and this is where we got to work on our mindset, especially in schools is telling me I'm doing a good job and pat me on the back for following rules gives me some dopamine, but not as much as breaking it and getting away with it. And so that's why I tell people, please be cognizant of always noticing kids, notice kids. Hey, you know what? I appreciate that during recess today, you helped Sally tie her shoe. I saw that. That's awesome. Just to notice the things kids do so that when you do get to that stage of where they're trying to break the rules or whatever, they get that dopamine rush. But more positives, the more we can give, it can help offset some of those bigger rushes we get later on. And and there's still, uh, think of it in terms of a deposit into Stephen, yeah. Stephen Covey's yeah. emotional bank yeah. account conversation, yeah. Pretty right? Much. Yeah. And, and so when there are times we've got to call people up mm-hmm. uh, on their behavior, but don't let things slide. Yeah. Uh, and find ways to see the good yeah. and build those deposits so that those are reinforced. And I tell the teachers, the challenge that, that a lot of teachers and educators have, and even parents now, mm-hmm. is to focus in on the good rather than the negative all the time. Yeah, You know what? We know what the child struggles with. We know some of the deficits they may have, but what are their positives? What are the strengths? And do you recognize those more so than the areas of weakness? Because you know, I tell people that that rush I get from breaking a rule and getting away with it. So I tell people this. So I get a huge rush of dopamine from breaking a rule and getting away with it. Depending how the adults react to it, I can get more. It can be amplified. Yeah, so if the, if the adults lose their cool and start kind of freaking out, that actually gives me more of a rush. And then, you know, I know in schools down in the States, we fight this as much as we can, but then sending them out of a classroom. Mm-hmm. Well, you just actually rewarded the behavior because I didn't want to be here in the first place. You actually let me get what I wanted out of this behavior by leaving here. And so I get a bigger rush from it. And so people say, well, what are we supposed to do then? And so I tell people, the adults, if you remain calm, keep your composure, stay cool, manage everything around you while this child's having difficulty, then when the dust settles... You go sit with the child and you talk about the behavior with them. You talk about why it's wrong and what we need to do different. You actually will offset that dopamine hit by Absol- doing it that way. Absolutely. And again, if you've been building that culture inside your your classroom, mm-hmm. chances are some you of you got other students who are add into it too. And they're saying, hey, Jim, that's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That, that'll actually help offset that dopamine rush the child can get. Because what it is, is is then what happens is, is if I get away with that behavior then the next time I'm forced to follow that rule, I'm probably going to break it again because I want that hit. I want that dopamine rush. And so what happens is I keep getting these dopamine rushes from breaking this rule. And I tell people it's like a form of addiction for human beings. So this behavior becomes, and that's what behavior kind of is, it becomes an addiction for a human being. And so now when it's time for people to address this behavior and work on me changing it, you're having to address and deal with the addiction as you're teaching me a new set of skills that can overtake the behaviors I have currently. 
And as I explained today, um, when you start that process, you're looking at minimum 1,200 to 5,000 interactions with these new behaviors before I start actually utilizing them to some degree. So that whole piece of transitioning nicely into this whole changing the behaviors, mm-hmm. we, we know we need to emphasize some of those positives appropriately. It's mm-hmm. not everybody gets a trophy, right. but appropriate recognition right. of the positives. We do have to talk to them about the things they did not do right. at the right time Yes, when they're in a position to cognitively... Yeah, when they're calm. Calm, and they're... Mm-hmm. The uh, brain has flipped out of yes. the, flipped back to normal. Yep, yep. Uh, there's no use having a big conversation with somebody in the middle of these things. No, and that doesn't matter if you're having if you're. It doesn't matter if it's an adult or, or a child or anybody. And so I tell people, when a human being's in the escalated phase of behavior, mm-hmm. you don't have any lines in this play. Keep your mouth quiet. Triage the situation with everybody else in the environment. Just make sure people are safe. Right. You don't have any lines. Let this play run its course. You don't have any lines in this play. You're out. And as a director, you don't just get to say cut? Nope, you don't just get to end it. No, make sure everybody is safe and go from there. Yep, that's when you just make sure that that everyone is safe. Lane, what advice do you have for a teacher, uh, an EA, an administrator, a parent that's, that's had a bad day in their work with a student or child? Uh, so my best advice to parents, teachers, educators, EAs, admin, anyone who's having a bad day when they've been working with kids, here's my advice. At the end of the day, your brain's an etch-a-sketch. Shake it clean, start fresh the next day. Because if you hold a grudge, it's not going to work out well for anybody. If you carry over resentment or negative feelings to the next day, you're already going down a bad path. We need to be good at, okay, that was today, rough day, not a great day. Um, let's just make tomorrow better. Let's take that to um, one more spot here before we, we draw to a close. This sounds so much like a need for us to not lose focus of the potential right. all students have. Right. No matter, come back to Lisa Genova's, we're all on the spectrum. We are. Can you talk a little bit about the value of holding on to that potential and maybe some of the rewards that can come from that short and long term? So as I tell most teachers, so any teacher that's listening to this podcast, my advice is this. You're going to sow a lot of seeds, but you may not reap what you sow. You may start something with a child. You may struggle with a child for the whole year like I did with lots of my kids through my career. I worked blood, sweat, and tears all year long with some of my kids. And I never got to reap what I sowed. It was teachers two years later that got to reap the benefits of the thing I started. Yeah. And at the same time, it's frustrating, but at the same time, you have to look at it as that's just the nature of our jobs. I've had lots of kids come back as adults to come and find me and say hi, say thank you, all kinds of stuff. You don't know the, the impact you have on a child. You may never know. No. But if you're fortunate enough and you've worked in this, this profession long enough, most of us have had some kids come back and say, hey, I appreciate what you did for me. Some of them have shocked us. Some, of, us, some of them have done things that we never expected. Yeah. And 
And so that's what I tell people. So my advice to people is during the day, it's not about perfection, it's progress. Mm. Look for progress. Forget perfection. Forget right answers all the time. Did I do something a little bit better today than I did yesterday? Well, it speaks to being a bit of a reflective practitioner right. and recognizing that every single student that we come in contact with, and for that matter, all of the staff members that we interact mm-hmm. with in, in our life, everybody we interact with, we're, we're impacting their trajectory Yes, one way or the other. Yes, we are. And uh, the importance here is to try to be that positive impact. You want to, yeah, you want to impact it in a good trajectory if you <laughs> at all possibly can. But you know what? I always still give people permission. You can have a bad day. Yeah. It's part of being a human being. Absolutely. But if you're allowed to have a bad day, so are kids. Hmm. A little bit of good advice there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I once had a, uh, a teacher say, you know, I demand respect. Mm. Okay. No, I don't like that. That's an interesting way to go. I, I don't know that you can. You can't. Uh, so you, you're, you're in for a long career. Well, and as, as I tell people, go. it's like, because I'll have people say, well, they, I'm the teacher. They need to respect me. I'm like, no, respect is earned. Mm-hmm. Just because you graduated from college or you got a degree, that degree doesn't come with respect. Respect only comes by the human being you are. Perfect. Yeah. Now, we've talked a lot about behavior, and we haven't anchored that behavior into, you know, this is the behavior of an autistic student, and this is a non-autistic student. Just the, the principles hold true regardless. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, it's, it's regardless of disability, um, we need to look at children's strengths, weaknesses, and needs. Um I always tell people, you can tell me till the cows come home that this child has autism, but you still haven't told me anything about it. Yeah. But when you tell me what the child's good at, what their strengths are, where they're struggling, and what kind of needs they have, now we're getting somewhere. Now I can help, and now I can get to what we need to get to. And I think that's sometimes when we just blanketly look at a label, we lose sight of a child that's inside. Tell me what their passion is. Tell me how you're using their passion to get them through the things that they struggle with. Yeah. So a lot of our kids on the spectrum will, they say fixate, but I say focus mm-hmm. on certain things. I like and that. So, so I, I've had kids focus on Barney, focus on Teletubbies, Pokemon. Um, my favorite one was my middle school boy who focused on the mating ritual of the Asian grasshopper. Okay. And so what we did is... a Google piece? I had to. I had to do some studying (laughs) on that one. So, But I tell people this. That's a lot of our people. That's their way to tell the people around them that here's my interest. It's it's the window I opened up for you to step in. And if you don't take the opportunity to step in and just kind of immerse yourself in that part of their world, they're not going to step out of that window to come to ours. Yeah, perfect. Lane, just in, in closing, maybe... Could you share a little bit that might help? Sometimes it seems like it's easy to slip into judgment. Yeah. Judgment on the student mm-hmm. and judgment in particular on the parents mm-hmm. that are trying to support that student. Some words of uh, advice. I, I have an expression of gratitude and admiration for parents who are, I, I get their frustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did was blessed with six children they have a, a wide range of talents and abilities yeah, yeah. but I didn't I can't say I went through what some very mm. dear friends are going through right how do we uh, have that 
patience and yet not uh, create smother mothers. Yeah. Or it's it's knowing what families need for support mm-hmm. and understanding where parents are at, except where they're at, um, and help parents move on to. You know, sometimes parents are dealing, they're angry and they lash out at teachers and educators. Sometimes that's just because you're the only ones there that they get to lash out at. Otherwise, it sits in. Right. And so my rule is I let parents vent, scream, holler, yell, and then I let them relax just like I do with kids and then we talk about things. I always tell people until you've walked a mile in their shoes, it's really hard for you to pass judgment on it. Um, my rule of thumb when I was in this district, I was a principal, and then when I moved into the director of special ed, the assistant director, um, before anybody could talk about families, you had to go do a home visit. Right. You had to go to the home, meet the parents on their turf, and see how things are there. Um, 90% of the time, a lot of people came back and said, okay, I understand. And then now we got some common ground to work on with parents. Um, it's just sometimes parents, whether we agree or not, they're doing the best they know how to do right now. And they just need us to be on board with helping them a little bit yeah. to move the, and, the and, process and, along. And, you know, sometimes it's tough love, but sometimes it's, it's you know what, have some empathy and just let them have a sounding board with somebody. Bottom line, the sun's going to go down in the west. Uh-huh. It's going to come up in the east. And we're going to do it all over and again tomorrow. Try again yeah, tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. It's that, a reset button. <laughs> and we need to hit it and forgive ourselves a little bit. Yeah. And uh, stay curious and keep on trying to learn more, which yeah. is part of why we have this opportunity yeah. and, and bring you in to visit and work yeah. with some teachers in the region and why all of us continue to try to, everyone yeah. learning Every day. And and my advice to all people in education is never stop trying. And I, and I say that because you have to be good with failure more than you are success in this job. You're going to fail more times trying things than you are going to be successful. Um, and if you're not good with that, it's going to be a struggle for you. There you go. I tell people I do what I do in life because I have failed more than most people. Awesome. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, Lynn, uh, is there a resource out there you would recommend? Um, a book, uh, any of that kind of thought that you'd throw out and say, hey, folks, this is you not know, a bad I, I think my recommendation is just to have educators and parents dive more into the brain stuff mm-hmm. and not so much program stuff. Look at what is it that makes your child tick. Do you know how to understand your child's brain? And there's lots of resources out there for social-emotional learning. Um, the Alberta, there's an Alberta website that's amazing for the brain and, and brain architecture. The Alberta Family Wellness. That's it. Site. So I would suggest you guys have the best resource already. Just getting, if I can get all parents and educators to pay attention to, this is the brain architecture and this is what's happening. And, and to understand that a little more, I think that would be the best benefit to our kids as a whole. So for our listeners, if they haven't uh, been to that site before, it's the Alberta Family Wellness. Mm-hmm. Just Google yep. that and it'll take it to it. And it's been uh, 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 sponsored by a foundation, uh, very dedicated people, and they take a lot of the work from Harvard yep. Yep. Uh, and tie it in. It's great, and it's free. Yes. I actually have it bookmarked on my laptop, and I use it all the time in Texas. So Yeah. So, yeah. 
free to the world. It is, it is, and it's a great resource. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate you spending a little bit of time oh, at the end of the day pleasure. here. And we'll uh, close this off by thanking everybody and, re- and remind you to uh, stay curious. Yes. Uh, stay thirsty, as it were, and, uh, and appreciate all that you do. Stay awesome. Thank yes. you very much. Lee. Thank you. I appreciate it.